welcome to the very first legit on location episode of Over the Bridge. Except that we're not actually over the bridge because as soon as I got here, the captain announced that he had closed the observation deck over the bridge, which is where I was originally planning to do this. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a podcast featuring some discussions with the crew of the Africa Mercy, currently here in Douala, Cameroon. And I am here today with Jamie Barkey. Thank you for agreeing to sit down with me. Yeah. Today. Thanks I for asking. appreciate it. Um, can you explain just quickly, like, what your role here on the ship is and how the rest of your family fits into that equation? Sure. Uh, so I, my job on the ship is administrative assistant in the wards. Um, and, but I only work part-time because when my kids are out of school, I'm mom. I'm mom yeah. all the time, but that's my job when they're out of school. And uh, my husband is um, the anesthesia supervisor, and my kids are academy students. Cool. And you guys have been about three years now? Three years, yes. Yeah. yeah. How exactly did you guys come to the decision to make that crazy leap? Yeah. Well, it's a really long story, actually, <laughs> but the short of it is... Um, when my husband finished residency, uh, we had, I had heard of Mercy Ships and thought, oh, we should do that, let's do that. And uh, my husband was not on the same page at that point. And so um, we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, he started working in a hospital as an anesthesiologist. And so we went, so we stayed there for, uh, it was a couple years and he was working 90 plus hours a week and um, things were great but just very busy and so uh, he started reevaluating things and just really felt like God was asking him to do something different and come to the ship and he had done lots of short-term mission trips with other organizations um, but had felt frustrated because he's an anesthesiologist and so he's used to having all of the equipment and having and so usually when he would do that it was things that he wasn't trained to do in medicine uh, right in the long term effects weren't always great because it was mainly just passing out medicine and so um so he came to the ship short term for two weeks okay. and uh, and it was just a great fit for him and his personality and also his uh, his giftings he you know we bring the hospital here so he has all of you know he doesn't have to sacrifice the quality of care um, that he provides and uh, and just the long-term impact on patients uh, was huge for him and so he was real excited and uh, but they didn't have a need for a long-term anesthesiologist at the time and so uh, so we just kind of kept that on the back burner and um, a few years later uh, Michelle White the anesthesia supervisor at the time called Brian and said that she was doing a lot of the medical capacity building things that Mercy Ships was doing and couldn't do both and would he like to come long term and so just felt like it was perfect timing and talked to our kids and uh, they were on board, and so we... Were any of them came. nervous about it? Yeah, they were... Uh, our youngest was three, mm-hmm. um, so she didn't really know what to expect. <laughs> but um, but our oldest was, was our son, BJ, and he yeah. is very, very social and loves sports and was really getting into his team sports and getting kind of established in his friendships. And so we were most worried about him. 
Uh, but he's actually done the best on the ship because he is so social. Yeah. So it's just paradise for him, actually, because yeah, sure. there's people all the time. Definitely, if you're an extrovert, it's an easy place to yeah yeah, yeah. get by. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, so they're all doing really well. We definitely have our challenges, um, but we haven't. You know, we had challenges back in the states as well. So. For sure. And so they were. Your youngest was three, and then how old were they? Uh, when we came, they were three, six, and nine. Okay. And now they are six, nine, and twelve. Yeah. Was there, I mean, you kind of touched on it, but was there something specific that motivated you guys to come? Or was it just something that you already, always kind of had in your hearts? Always had in your um, I think like we, it was just the timing was funny because I had it in my heart and then actually when Brian started talking about coming, I did not have it in my heart. We were doing foster care at the time. Kind of flipped. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what? You kind of flipped perspectives. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, uh, and I thought, what are you, you know, this is not great. We had foster kids and, um, but then God just had provided uh, our foster kids with a forever family at the time and worked everything out and right around the time that Michelle had asked Brian to wow. come. And, uh, and so, you know, and then they had said, you can't come. And then, we, so it was just, <laughs> God slowly kind of prepared both of us, um, to be on the same page and to really want. So, I mean, it didn't make sense. It doesn't always make sense, uh, to come and pay, you know, and to give up a really good salary and, um, pretty easy life but I think it was just the timing just, yeah just, worked just out for you. made sense yeah. uh, in our hearts not necessarily logistically but yeah so I had a couple questions from followers of my blog okay um so they were wondering about school for the kids they said are you homeschooling yeah um so maybe talk a little bit about uh, the academy. so school on the ship is it's the academy and it's an international school. It's accredited um, through several different international organizations. And um, and so it goes from preschool to grade 12. And right now, I think there's about 43 students um, through that whole age group. And, uh, and it's very small, class sizes. Uh, <laughs> They're like combined kind of like some two of them are so, so yeah. they they combine second and third grade and they combine fourth and fifth grade okay. uh but you do your own curriculum your own grades curriculum right but they're together with one teacher right and uh so my kids have been in classes with seven people and my daughter has been in a class all by herself with one teacher <laughs> um so and they go to school there's 40 different countries represented on board so they go to school with kids from all over, which is really interesting and fun, but it's also challenging. It must be times. a challenge for the teachers with all the different languages. Yeah, so the kids, well, everyone on board has to speak English. Yeah. Um, but surely not the kids. Right, So, but many of the kids have come <laughs> yeah. not speaking English, and it's amazing to watch how fast they pick, it up. they pick up on English. Um, if and then we could all pick up languages I know, I know. I wish that I could learn yeah. as fast as they could. So they, uh, but they all have different, you know, they come from different backgrounds and different places. And uh, so it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting to hear the accents and how they, like even my daughter now sometimes has a Dutch accent because her best friend's There's, Dutch. Yeah, it's kind of weird. There's like, Almost a different dialect on board. A ship people, dialect. Yeah, people yeah. speak a different way because you have to, I guess, be cognizant of the fact that 
English is not the first right. language for a lot of people, so yeah. I do notice that there's kind of a different way of talking. Like, yeah. Yeah. So a couple, oh, actually one more question that I just thought of. Um, how long are you guys planning on staying? Have you thought about Yeah, so all? when we originally came, we committed for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that, uh, and then we extended for this year. So. Um, so we're here on our third year and now we've extended one more year so at the so total will be four years and then we'll just take it one year at a time and see what god cool wants for us yeah so for the time for sure you're going to be in guinea right next year in guinea next year yes right that's the plan um so someone else asked because this is a huge commitment um Financially, obviously, as you mentioned, did you guys sell everything? Did you do you have a house still back home? Uh, we actually sold everything. It was um, pretty miraculous. We uh, our house we had owned, and we thought we definitely wanted needed to sell it. And um, but at that time, the houses in our neighborhood were not selling very well. I know. And uh, and just as we were talked to the realtor and decided to put it on the market, but hadn't quite yet. Our next door neighbor came over and said, "Oh, we want to tell you we're putting our house on the market." Oh, <laughs> and we thought, "Oh, no. we are too." Competition. So we thought, "Oh no!" And um, and so we just really prayed. We were getting it ready and cleaning, and we had three kids, and just previously had had five kids because we had done foster care. So it wasn't the most immaculate house in the world. And uh, so Brian actually prayed out loud god please let this house sell quickly so we don't have to clean it so many times to show it so um so we put our house on the market on a saturday night it listed sunday morning the realtor called and said somebody wants to see it they made an offer that night we had one showing gosh well that was in february and in that offer they said how about close in march but we weren't moving until june right and so Brian said, well, how about June? And the realtor said, you're crazy. Like, no, they're not going to wait till June. And uh, so they asked and they said, actually, that works out great. That's when our lease is up anyway. Oh my gosh. So we had one showing and we actually sold it. Brian also said, let's list it for more than the realtor off- uh, suggested. So we sold it for 30000 over what the realtor had suggested us listed at. So it was really miraculous. And that was the first step of, you know, not... Not everything went so smoothly in the process, but that was the first step of, okay, God, you're going to take care of this and you're going to, you know, carry us through one step at a time. So let's talk about the international aspect of being here again. Um, Is there a way that you, like a little piece of home that you brought with you, is there something... Yeah, so some, some way that you yeah. maintain your American. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny, you know, my family is a little different because um, my father's from Egypt. Okay, cool. Uh, my mom is pretty much as American as you can get. Um, and then my husband is Chinese. He grew up in America, but both his parents are Chinese. Um, so we are a little bit mixed up already. Um, so, like, one of the things that we did a lot back home was eating multi cultural food and Chinese food was a big thing um, noodles and so one thing just really missing Chinese food the other yes day. yeah so well we have lots of Chinese sauces and we make noodles all most every weekend so that's kind of the the thing the staple of our that's our weekend meal yeah, that's and cool. we order these special Chinese sauces that his dad sends us on the container across yes yeah. 
So, um, so that's one thing. And then also just like our cabin, we brought, you know, our throw pillows from home and our kids' favorite blankets, uh, just to make it feel like it's actually home and not a temporary place for us. So that's cool. Yeah. How often do you guys cook for yourselves? Yeah. So, um, when Brian came short term, the first time somebody said, oh, but if your wife comes, she might miss cooking. And he said, oh no, she won't. (laughs) So cooking is not my favorite. I do. I actually do miss it more than I thought I would, but, um, but it's really nice to not have that burden. I don't have to go to the grocery store. I don't have to do meal planning. Mm -hmm. We just go to the dining room. uh, But we do eat, we eat lunch. So that's another difference from home is the kids come home every day at lunch for an hour. And Brian, most of the time can break away for a little bit of that time. And so that's more, so lunch has actually become more of our what used to be our family dinner time. Right. So we, so what I'll do is I'll go to the dining room and get the food and then have it ready for the kids and Brian when he, they come home. Uh, so we eat it in our cabin together, but I don't cook it. <laughs> but then usually at least once a weekend, we cook some sort of meal. And then Wednesday nights, we have established as our family night. So we usually cook all together pizza or something. And yeah. um, and that's oh, yeah. our one night that we... I always see people walking by with their pizzas. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it smells so good. Yeah. That's definitely a thing from home that we missed. But, uh, and that's our one night we eat just as a family, just us, without... Because um, we love the community. It's great here to, have, to meet so many people and live with so many people. Um, but we... Uh, miss, yes, that'd be great. Um, so yeah, like this, for example, somebody just stopped by to ask a question. So there's always people around, which yeah. is 90% of the time, huge blessing, but, um, you do need, you do need your own time and to remind our kids that we are your parents and mm-hmm. we do, you know, mm-hmm. so we've just set aside lunchtime and Wednesday nights to reunite as just a family. We cook then. Um, shift the gears a little bit. Yeah. Let's talk about your work a little bit more. So, you mentioned your ward assistant. What, what exactly does that does entail? Because, I mean, I see you pop in and out of the wards all the time, but I don't see the full kind of breadth of your job. Right, yeah. So, there is a full-time ward administrative assistant who works full-time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, she does every... So, how the patients work, actually, let's back up, is... Patients will come to the ship. They'll start through our screening process. Yep. I don't know if you've explained this on your blog before, but they'll be screened by our screening team. And then if they are fit for surgery, they'll come back a different time for admissions. And then they'll be admitted to the ward and then have surgery. And then after their surgery, they'll stay on the ward on the ship uh, for a little while. And then when they're ready, many times they'll go to what we call the Hope Center. It's a local place. And so, uh, so the ward administrative assistant essentially not physically follows the patient, but paperwork-wise follows the patient through all of those steps and through their appointments and entering it into our database system. So kind of what at home we would call like patient flow. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so that's probably the, the biggest job of the admin assistant. Something else is we do have a great communications team on board. Mm-hmm. They follow patient, certain patients and tell their stories and communicate to the world what we do. Um, and they are super busy. 
and one of the favorite things of the patients is to get a photo yeah. of themselves and through this process. And so one of the things that the ward administrative assistant does is takes a photo of a patient before they leave the hospital and uh, we print it for them, laminate it and give it to them before they leave. So, uh, so that's one of my favorite parts of the job because they love getting photos. And, and they always wave everybody over. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and they want a picture with everybody that, yeah. you know, cared for them and been a part of the journey and, uh, and to show people back home. Cause this is such a, it's very hard. To, it's hard enough for me to explain this place to yeah. people back home, but for the patients, you know, they haven't been in an environment like this ever. They've never seen a ship, may have never, yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. They're always very proud of their photos. Yes. Um, yeah. You do that. That's great. Yeah. Um, is there a particular patient story um, or caregiver story from your three years that is really meaningful to you that you can share? Yes. Uh, there's lots of stories. The one that, when somebody asks that, always stands out the most is um, we had a boy on uh, our maxillofacial ward our first year we were here. Uh, with a large tumor on the back of his head. Uh, his name was Claudio. And he was just a year older, two years older than my son. And uh, and he had his surgery and um, it went great and we thought they got it all and uh, and it was great. And, um, and then, and so we, are, my family goes down to the wards uh, at least once a week. Yeah. Um, to visit the patients. Uh, like the kids too. Yes, so my yeah. whole family, my kids. And uh, and so that's actually one of the things we love the most about this place is, you know, at home, Brian was a doctor and he helped people yeah. and he took care of people, but that was his thing. Kids don't really see it, right? Right, yeah. I mean, he, you know, Brian would ask, can you please pray for this patient? He has this issue or whatever, but we weren't connected with what he was doing. And here it really feels like it's our thing. Yeah. You know, like I'm working in the hospital. The whole, yeah, they become our friends. Involved, yeah. yeah, and so, um, and so being in that wards is wasn't always easy at first for our kids. That's a scary place. Mm -hmm. You know, hospital in general can but be. They seem really comfortable there now. Yeah, they've grown <laughs> a lot, and it's really been a crazy transformation in how they look at people. Uh, and so, some, I mean, there are some like kind of scary looking things that we see yeah, yeah it's just very different than what you're not used to looking freaked at. Out by it. right yeah. yeah and so um and just even a hospital setting you know with tubes coming out yeah. of people and just yeah. you know even at home it's yeah. not always the most comfortable for people who aren't medical even for me so uh but they've come a long way in that so anyway so to back up to claudio mm -hmm. we would visit him and uh and they would play and they would play football in the which is soccer for us football here <laughs> in the hallways and, um, and they become pretty good friends and uh, and then later we um, he actually went home and but he came back because his uh, he had started bleeding it was actually Christmas Eve I believe he came back to the ship and uh, and they got a path so pathologies sometimes take a while here because they send it to the states and so they had gotten a pathology and it turned out he had cancer so even though they had gotten the tumor we knew that it was going to come back and uh and it had spread so it's really devastating and you know you come here to bring hope and healing and and we have some great results most you know but uh but it was really really hard and um, and so Brian sat down with Brandon and told him, 
Brandon is my son. He also goes by BJ. And told him about Claudio and said, you know, so now he's here in this hospital and all of his, he had his little sister with him and his mom, but the rest of his family and friends were far away in a village. And he said he could really use a friend right now. And my son, who was, I think maybe seven at the time, just sat really still and said, yeah, but if I go, if I keep being friends with him, then if he dies, I'll just be sad. And uh, my husband said, that's true, you will be sad. But if that were you, would you want a friend or not? And he said, I would want a friend. And so there, after that, for the rest of the field service, BJ went down to the wards every night and played with Claudio. And, uh, and we became really close with the mom and the little sister and they just really truly became part of our family. And, uh, and so, they, uh, we got to, you know, go to his house when he was able to go home, was well enough to go home, and, uh, and you know, and that was in Madagascar, and so every, we, a lot of kids would watch the Madagascar movie, and, uh, and so his little sister, who was two, and her name was Lolly, would dance to, I like to move it, move it, over and over and over, and, uh, and so anyway, that's when we went, so we went back to the States for the summer to see family and had heard from their cousin that Claudio had passed away. And, uh, but we still FaceTime with mom and sister lovely and she still dances to, I like to move it, move it. <laughs> but, um, so it was a very sad and it didn't turn out at all like we had hoped or prayed, but it was definitely a lesson for our my son and all of us um, to how to be there for people. Yeah, strength on his part. Yeah, and it really changed, you know, his perspective of the wards and just people. And I mean, he's still a kid, and we all have our selfish moments. But um, it was a big. So that's what I think of most when I think of a story. And did you have a favorite quote? Yeah. So, um, my favorite verse that I kind of stand on, all of our family members have a verse. Mm -hmm. So my favorite verse and the verse that I kind of go to over and over again is Philippians 4, 6 and 7. And it's, you know, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, present your request to God. The peace of God that transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and minds. And as a mom, things are chaotic (laughs) and I tend to be anxious about and sometimes like big things can happen and I can be calm but little things like the sink can be full of dishes and we have homework and we have a meeting you know those little things add up to create an anxious heart for me and so constantly reminding that I can be thankful in those situations and to stop myself to be thankful and to also present my request to God to ask him you know to bring it to him and so I constantly have to remind myself of that um, so that's kind of my go-to that's interesting because that reminds me of one of my favorite quotes which is from Chronicles of Narnia yeah um, the magician's nephew and it's that they're talking about Aslan and how like shouldn't have known what we would need before we asked yeah um, and Fletch says well yeah I, no doubt he would but I think he kind of likes to be asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I like to remember that. Like, just, just ask because because you 
hope and hope and hope and worry and worry and worry that things are going to happen. And then as soon as you just bring it to God, you get a peace about it. Right, yeah. yeah. And Whether it changes it your perspective. You not, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly right. And just to know that I can be thankful, you know, that there's something in this crazy situation, you know, and it doesn't come immediately, but to remind myself, like, you know, like my son is super energetic. And I remember being in Walmart before we moved here and he was a baby and in the cart. And it was one of those days and he was throwing things out of the cart. It was just crazy. And I was obviously frazzled. And the lady that I was checking out could tell and said, you'd rather him be able to tear the house down than to not be able to. And uh, and that lady, I really feel like God sent to me in that moment to think like, you know, I'm, I was focused on the chaos. Mm-hmm. But the truth was, is he was a healthy boy that was doing what a little boy's supposed to do. So, uh, and so, it, so instead of focusing on the chaos, I could focus on that he's able to throw the stuff out of the heart, you know, or that he's able to have strong opinions. And so it's not always easy to do that. And it's definitely stressful at times, but it's good to remember there's always a different perspective. Thank you so much, Jamie. I really appreciate you taking this time out of your day. Yeah, thank you for asking me.